This is a Polar Star Podcast. To Better Tomorrow, a series of conversations on national issues through a local lens with me, your host, Tim Duffy. A big thank you to those of you who are returning, and if this is your first time watching, welcome. My guest this week is Mo Awale, a fellow comedian here in the Portland comedy scene. From the moment I saw him on stage, I knew he was something special. He's got the confidence, he's got the charisma, he's got the relatability, and most importantly, he's funny. We had a great conversation. We discussed how friends in Seinfeld helped him learn English, how he's often mistaken for a white person over the phone and on social media platforms, and how the Somali community in Portland has changed in his lifetime. Make sure to check out Mo on Instagram and TikTok. You can find his handles right here. Thanks to Polar Star Podcasts for the opportunity you can visit polarstarpodcast.com for info on the other shows coming out of the studio. So here it is, my conversation with Mo Wale. Who is your favorite person in comedy and why is it Mo Wale? <laughs> okay, thank you. It's Mo Wale. <laughs> and uh, no. But how, how have you been, Mo? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, I'm good. Like, obviously, like, there is a bit of a hole with comedy mm-hmm. and stand-up, and that sucks. Yeah. It really sucks. But um, I've been filling that hole with pornography and food, like a good American, and yeah. <laughs> it's been um, it's been working. Um, so uh, I've been trying to do, like, uh, things online, like TikTok and, like, um, stereo and stuff. I don't know if you do the stereo app. It's really fun. You should check it out. I think I tried getting you to do it. I guess I sent you the invite. But uh, it's like a chat roulette without dicks, pretty much. Okay. And like your face is there and you just kind of like talk to people. And I've had like really interesting conversations. So that's kind of satisfied the extrovert side of me a little bit where I can kind of entertain one person and talk to them and then also learn things and then get called the N-word multiple times and get called the F-word. Has that happened? Oh, a lot. Wait, so do you so you talk to just someone one-on-one like chat roulette yeah how did they filter out the dicks says the thing let me show you i'm gonna get on my phone while we're talking because that's okay we have the ability so you can watch shows that get popular so it's like a podcast format okay you did tell me about this because it's like animated it's not your actual face it's not your actual it's an animated and then like you just go on like this like you just get on a random chat let's get the voice up and why am I off? I got skipped. This is it. Someone just straight yeah, up skipped good. you. Oh, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> Yo, what's good, baby? How's it going? Yo, what up? Tell me about yourself. Hey, what's up? Nothing I'm much. I'm from West Africa, Sierra Leone. Oh, I'm from East Africa. East side. I'm from Connecticut. East Africa. 
and you have you know great enlightened conversation like this it's amazing that was going somewhere (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you have you have you had some good conversations on there yeah yeah i've had some pretty interesting conversations on there they're all recorded i only delete i only delete shows when i'm it records the conversations it does so i'm gonna mute this and um so like these are all the prior conversations they're all recorded under my app so if like someone wanted to listen to them uh they could just go to mo awali a-w-a-l-e alan stereo and you can listen to all of these like so there's two there's like two functions of the uh the app one you can have conversations with people and then you can just get on if you don't feel like talking to someone you can just listen to other random people's conversations and you can chime in so you can chime in let me show you what yeah yeah, it's sick so um i think this is the future so jeff ross is on it already oh nice um and some other people are on but let's say these guys are talking about the news right yeah and if they enable it right here i can just go beyond that even they because of the the way that they have the um trump 2021 bitch <laughs> and it'll just go and it'll, and that will they can decide to air it or not so it'll come up as a bubble that they can decide to play or not and they'll play it because they want to listen to it you think they played that um probably i don't care we're not gonna watch it <laughs> <laughs> i'm watching that one later but i've been, i've been um so i've been i posted some on my instagram page i don't know if you've ever seen some of the videos but nobody believes i'm black that you talk to? No one. Are people, are they like, yeah, why, like, that's racist that you have a black icon? And I've been not, lectured. And you're like, I've been lectured. <laughs> have you counter-lectured them? I've just been like, my IG's on there. Yeah. And my pictures are on there. And my video of me talking, it's on there. Yeah. So, All the proof is there. And, like, literally on my Instagram, it says, I have customer service voice. Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. says exactly what I do. Which and, is true. Yeah, that's a gift. Have you, uh, would you kind of accredit that to growing up in Maine? 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, it definitely wasn't uh, being born in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> that contributed <laughs> to my, no. Um, so I grew up, the way I learned English was, you know, like my mom didn't know English mm-hmm. and I didn't have like anyone in the house to kind of teach me. I was the oldest. How How old were you when you? I was when three. Your family came here. You uh, were three. I was okay. three. We started out in Boston and came here. And um, by the time I was here, I was like maybe like four or three. Mm-hmm. I think within a year we moved here. And um, I learned English watching public access television. And then at night, Seinfeld and Friends. So, like, nice. My voice is probably more influenced by Friends. This is, yeah, this is a Friends voice. This is a Friends voice. Is that Ross? Um, Am I speaking with Ross? Chan- Chandler, I don't know who. I feel like I'm a. I'm Phoebe. not a friends. I'm not a friends fan. <laughs> I feel so. like I'm a Phoebe. I don't know Ross. I don't even remember that show enough. All Ross, I, remember I feel is I hated like Ross, Ross was kind of like Ross was kind of like this. I don't even know if that's accurate. David, <laughs> I'm David Schwimmer. <laughs> Those actors are done. Like they can't do anything else. I can't picture yeah, them as any you other. Don't character. have to do anything else, really. I mean, as far as like. If you want to expand being an actor and have other roles, you're screwed. But if you just want to have a lot of money, not screwed. 
So. Probably. Like, I wonder how much they make a show. But also think about it. They were in that show when they didn't really know the value of it, right? Yeah. So, like, I wonder... It's probably all out there to Google, but I wonder how ripped off they were, like the first like couple of seasons. Oh, and, like, for sure. Re- but they got they got theirs. They eventually, got yeah. But so you grew, you came here, and um, what what kind of did you feel like you were part of the community when you were here, like the larger community, or how did you feel growing up? I don't, I don't know. It's been so long since I thought of that. Um, so when I got to like Portland and stuff, I remember there was like real racism. You know what I mean? Like, like not like sub, like really subtle racism. Like you're not invited to the party. Like yeah. it's not an inclusion versus whatever argument. Yeah. It's like, yo, dog. Like we're gonna fuck you up. Like it's yeah. like. I remember um, I was terrified of dogs. A lot of Somali kids were terrified of dogs because the culture was different around dogs. You didn't walk your dog around or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I would go around the neighborhood, like, I remember, like, nowadays in Portland, like, people are cautious about that. They're like, oh, I'm sorry about my dog. I'm not going to yeah. let them push up on you or whatever. Before they let them fly, like, they'd be like you <laughs> go get them. Chase that blackie. Yeah. Like, yeah. you right on yeah. it. And I remember when I was playing basketball as a kid, I remember like this one specific neighbor would let their dogs fly, knowing that there were a bunch of Somali kids at the playground, not giving a fuck. And um, I remember being called the N word. I remember being called like a brown cockroach at like age eight or whatever in Portland, mind you, um, in Sagamore Village. And it's like, now <laughs> you look around and you're like, this is a totally different space. Like yeah. things that are said here wouldn't. I remember there's a time in middle school, teachers wouldn't let us speak Somali. They wouldn't let us speak our language in the school. Like they got upset with us and it was enough to get in trouble. Like go, go to like detention or something. Yeah. Like and, they try to break it up. And that wasn't even that long ago. I'm 26. Yeah. You're like, not. This is, I, it, like, uh, my grades in school match the years. So, mm-hmm. like, that was 06 to 2008. Obama yeah. was president by the time I finished middle school, and that's... Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty alarming. Um, my but... president is black. My Lambo's blue. <laughs> so, going, so going through school, did you... Um, what about the, the other kids? Did you feel like they were, like, people who were your, your age were more accepting than a lot of the adults you ran into yeah because kids um the mindset of a a child there isn't any like programming right Mm -hmm. like it's always the parents that kind of affect it but i remember kids i grew up with if anything there there was ignorance but not like necessarily hate unless um it was influenced by the parents Mm -hmm. and they were racist parents and they weren't like it depends on like your education level that I saw with how the racism is shown, not necessarily if it exists. Mm-hmm. And it's like more wealthy parents were just like really quiet and just like, you know, don't hang out with them. Don't do that. Like they just tell the kids like stay quiet or whatever. Um, lower income, like it was more loud, mm-hmm. angry. Um, but I knew I'm not going to discredit Portland. I remember a lot of kids I grew up with that were just this like really sweet, kind kids, maybe just a little ignorant, you know, about like 
oh, do you play basketball well? Or, yeah. Oh, you're a big boy. You should play football and we yeah. want you right here. So, like, but like it wasn't um, hate. So like, you know, I got invited to birthday parties and stuff. Like I got, it just felt when you were there though, when you were invited, it didn't feel like you were like, like home, you know, like it, mm -hmm. sometimes it felt like really awkward. Yeah. Like I felt more comfortable personally, like going over and sleeping over at like friends' homes who are Somali or black or African. Like I felt more comfortable that way mm -hmm. versus like, um, if we, like I never did a sleepover at a white friend's house. I, was, I don't remember a single time ever. Yeah. Like, and my mom would never allow it. My mom yeah. would be like, no. <laughs> they will Absolute kill you. <laughs> this is a trick. My mom thought they would either kill me, rape me, which was open. Like she'd yeah. be like, or or like um, like that was steal she me. would straight up she would straight up say that she she saying. wasn't she wouldn't allude to it. She would just uh, she'd say they'd fuck you up the butt. <laughs> say exactly what she'll she she'd be like. <laughs> she, I forget the words in Somali, but she, and it's so bad. Like she was very transparent. Yeah. And it, I don't know. Like looking looking back, like I don't know. Like I don't think I my butt was ever in danger. Mm -hmm. But like I don't know. I'm glad someone was watching it. Like, yeah, someone, someone was, was watching out for your butt. Someone cared your about mom, my butt. Your mom cared about your butt. Dude. Yeah, she did. That's good. That's good. We want all moms to care about their kids' butts. You should care about it. Not only just wipe it. You should love the butt. Yeah. You shouldn't just work it. <laughs> should um should enjoy the peach. You know, protect it. That sounds yeah. a little racy. A little racy. Yeah, that sounds peach. a little. Yeah, yeah. You gotta protect your child, peach. Ugh. That's one thing I didn't understand either growing up. Um, it was, there were a bunch of like small cultural differences, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and one thing where I grew up is um you had like in the bathroom nobody wants to have this conversation but I want I in the like bathroom bathroom conversations you had toilet paper but you also had I don't know what you would call it in English but it's like what you do to like water plants like mm -hmm. the um trough or whatever yeah um you'd have one of those a smaller version of those in the bathroom and that was to like wipe that's to clean your butt afterwards. Make sure it's like nice and squeaky clean afterwards. Yeah. Like you'd wipe and then hit it with the water. Like yeah. almost a makeshift bidet, right? Yeah, yeah. And growing up, I always hated going to the bathroom at school because they didn't have one of those. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. These Where's... white guys walk around with their ass, their shit in their ass. Yeah. They're what the hell's going on? Water. They're not getting that last step in. They're not. They're not. And I, growing up, I remember like, so that's all you guys need. And I would... You know, you find ways around it. Like, I would go, and I still do this to this day. I'll take the paper towels, and I'll wet it and put it back in the... And I'll be like, okay, I can have a clean asshole here. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I did that in college <laughs> in 2013. Yeah. And I remember my friend genuinely like, what the fuck are you doing? Wait, like, you had the you had the spout thing? I didn't bring the spout with me because uh -huh. I wasn't brave enough for that. I yeah. just took the paper... I did the wetting paper towel okay. thing. And my friend was like, why do you do that? Yeah. He was, he was watching me do this a lot. He's like, why do you do that? You do that? Yeah. Wait, you, he was freaking out. It's like, wetting the toilet paper, right? Wetting the toilet paper. Yeah. So this is my trick. I yeah. did. I take two balls of to toilet paper. I wet yeah. it up. Yeah. And I take the truck and then leave the dry there, you know? Yeah. So I do the dry, wet, dry, wet. Yeah. Clean asshole. Yeah. So it's a perfect equation. Two to two. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. And alternate, you know, dry, wet, dry. 
And um, <laughs> I remember explaining this to yeah. him. And he's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You can get your ass eaten any day of the week. Like, that is <laughs> yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. And I remember growing up, like, I was terrified to explain this to people because I always thought they'd think I was weird. And then comes a time uh, in school, I remember one of our teachers said this um, in high school. He said, um, I think he was talking about an Eastern African country or something. And he was like, remember, this, this is a culture, guys, that reserves shaking hands for the right hand and never shakes hands with the left because that's a hand dedicated to the bathroom or mm-hmm. whatever. And I remember all my like friends getting really angry and upset yeah. with them because that's like... It's a huge assumption, even though it might be like right in some areas or something. And I remember just being like in my head back then, being like, "What about the fact that there's shit in your asshole?" Like <laughs> right <laughs> now, there's <laughs> shit in your asshole. There's shit in your asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really awkward. But it's those little cultural things. It's also the fact, like, I don't know. It's like uh, it's just a different. Um, there's different levels. Depends on who you meet, right? Mm-hmm. But there are different levels of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Like when you go to like a smiley person's house, it's like the hospitality is different. Like it's just like everyone's going to greet you. Everyone's going to come out of their room to greet you. Yeah. And like unless you're like family and they know you and you're established. But if someone's like visiting, like an uncle's visiting or or like, you know, a friend is visiting or something, people are going to greet you. There's going to be food for you. There's, you're going to be treated like you're at home. But I never felt that way some of my friends when I'd go to their places because their parents would either like not be around or be dicks or just yeah. not be interesting yeah and just be like yeah. extra iron <laughs> I don't know did you did, at the time did you accredit that to race or did you just think that maybe you know maybe they're just dicks or did you not really think about were you just like I didn't think about it yeah it was too young I don't think what about in hindsight? In hindsight, there are certainly times I go back and I go, that's a little sketchy. And yeah. then in hindsight, I also go back and I think, wow, some of these families were really progressive and kind. Yeah. Like they're really kind yeah. parents and, and really kind, um, especially like mothers and, and, and fathers. I remember who were like growing up as a kid were just good folks. Like yeah. I remember going back and like these guys like were in maybe situations where they could their biases could have led them to feel some way against somebody but like they didn't mm-hmm. and um there are other times i do look back and i think to myself especially around the school system that um i don't know it just felt like i don't know it's i was very lucky with school because you know i grew up with a single mom i didn't really have like all the resources in the world but i was very lucky that there are certain people who you know who were white teachers certain teachers and uh, certain after school mentors who took a liking to me who helped me mm-hmm. who truly truly helped me and made sure they kind of like shaped me as a person and especially you know without a father figure as a man yeah um and they were white yeah i didn't have black role models really growing up besides my mother uh-huh. and maybe my uncle and a cousin who taught me how to fight like that was yeah. it yeah and the cousin who taught me how to fight went to jail. Like yeah. he took a bit. He didn't get out until I was done with college. Yeah. <laughs> and um, like that. Um, so it's hard for me to kind of just like go like 
oh, it was really bad too. And it was like, I was unwelcomed. I, I felt like I was welcomed, but there was just, there was hatred in the side and there was a weirdness, awkwardness. Yeah. For sure. Um, like, um, I went to middle school with, um, so in the news in Maine, there was, um, you know, Mark Cardilli who had shot, um, um, a Somali kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I went to middle school with him. Oh, really? And, um, there was a situation where on Facebook, he was talking about Somali people and he referred to them as like skinnies and he was threatening and hating them and sharing, you know, racist ideology, which was totally ignored yeah. by the faculty. And it was brought up by like all the Somali kids and black kids in the school. And I remember my friend Zakaria actually fought him mm-hmm. and like beat him up after yeah. school over yeah. it. And to think like that was 07, 08. Mm-hmm. He was racist throughout high school afterwards. And then come to see what, I think it was maybe 10 years later or something, um, he killed a black man in his home. Jeez. So like to me, like obviously like, there was deep racism going on. I don't want to say his name. Yeah. No, that's all right. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to accuse the the guy who did it. I don't want to say, talk about his family. Mm-hmm. And um, like that, that is like that. Some I remember when that happened and yeah. I was just so angry. Yeah. And I remember um, there's a candlelight vigil um, because he lived in the same neighborhood as me. And um, I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, we saw this in middle school. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, that, you know, he had to have gotten that from somewhere, right? And, like, that ideology can grow and get really dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's local. It's here. Yeah. And, and, I mean, now it's even more so it's not just local, but it's also you can find that on the Internet and, you know, the internet is, you know, if you have a little bit of something, you can find, you can be radicalized for sure easily on the internet now. Um, and not to blame the internet for all the problems in the world today. What was but, obviously second degree murder. Yeah. Too, which what was it? Was it taken down to manslaughter? I forget. I don't. I don't know. I'm I think not, it, I don't know what he got, but like. But it um, was lowered. The victim's name was Izahak, by the way. I think maybe I should just say his name. It's Izahak, mm-hmm. and uh, he was shot on the ground in his in his back while he was on the ground. In his house or in? So um, the whole altercation occurred because he was over at his girlfriend's house. Uh-huh. And while at his girlfriend's house, um, there was an argument between the parents on when he should leave the home. And Mark, this is Cardelia's little sister or whatever. And um, there was an argument. It was like he should leave the house by one or something. And it was past one, and he didn't want to leave. And I think she was on house arrest or something, and they haven't seen each other, uh-huh. whatever the circumstances were. And apparently a physical altercation occurred Oh, okay. somewhere down the line. And... Um, the thing was, apparently there was no sign of, like, actual, like, from my understanding and, and what happened was, like, there's no sign, like, he was, like, 
Izahawk was on top of his father or anything, or, or that they were even losing a fight. These were two grown men against like a rather small guy. Yeah. Like, I've, well, everyone's smaller than me, but I, I knew Izahawk growing up. Like, I was like, relatively small, skinny guy. Yeah. And uh, Mike, Mike Cardelli or Mark Cardelli got his gun and like shot him. Shot, and shot him while on the ground on his back. Yeah. So he was on his back and got shot. Yeah. Coroner supported that. That's not like, uh, that's not like, you know, you're not, you're usually not winning a fight if you're on your back. You're down. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was evidence of, um, white supremacist content apparently on his computer that came out Mm -hmm. for some reason. I think, I think it was manslaughter. I see you looking up the article. Was it manslaughter that they gave him? It was manslaughter. Yeah. Yeah. I went to middle school with him. I we knew about his racist yeah. issues. He wanted we people wanted to jump him, but one guy who like actually went off and fought him, yeah. and like in middle school, and then like years later, he, this guy gets military training later. Mark, Mark Cardelli and kills somebody. Yeah, kills kills um kills a man. Yeah, and uh, that to me is like. What, what what gets to me it's like growing up here you you know the argument is like I, I think people like to say like portland is so progressive and not racist but i grew up here they're racist here yeah you know and it's like grew up with one who killed a kid mm-hmm. you know? yeah do you feel like do you feel like it's going in a better direction yeah i think it's going in a better direction but um those receipts are going to be there, yeah, and they're going to be looked at. You know, yeah. I think, um, I think it's not gonna. I think it matters necessarily where you're going if you're not going to have accountability for what happened. For sure, I mean um, that's the whole, it's the whole issue with America. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the we've never recognized slavery fully for what it is and what the harm, the long term harm it caused, and. Um, that fight is still being fought and that's insane you know i'm excited to see what was it but one of biden's campaign promises i believe was reparations right was that a part (laughs) i don't know i don't know if he if he took it that far but i feel like people have campaigned on that before and then it immediately is like the that's on the burner that's it's so far away that burner's in like several kitchens. I was laughing because um so I play a lot of video games. I'm a huge nerd. And um one of the uh <laughs> one of the are you familiar with Discord? Did I ever talk to you about Discord yeah, before? I, I kind of know a little bit. Discord is one of my favorite places to go to because you can play games with people and like it's a good nice voice chat. I'm in a Somali Discord Mm -hmm. with um, people just all over the country who are similar age group. I think a little younger now because I'm an old I'm an oldie now, (laughs) being 26. (laughs) Not old. I feel old sometimes. My it's in my back. Um, Yeah, (laughs) but like my (laughs) these guys. Like I remember this one girl. I forget what her screen name was, um, but we were playing a game. She's a friend of mine, and I I taught her how to play this one game called League of Legends, and we're all playing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little later on, I invited her to play with a white friend of mine, and I invited her to a different VC room just to hang out and play with us because we were both playing at the time, and my friend wanted to join in, but he couldn't be in the room because he wasn't 
Somalia, so we weren't going to let a whitey in. So yeah. we, just, yeah. we just went ahead and, and uh, went into a different room. And um, we're playing the game, and she goes zero to 100 on him. And she's, I don't know if she's trolling him or something, but she's like, so do you play, do you pay reparations? All my white friends pay reparations. Do you pay reparations? I got cash after, you know, 200 bucks. Yeah. And I'm just like, I have rich white friends that pay reparations. Do you, Mo? And I'm just like, no, but like, maybe I'm open should. to it. Maybe my standards are not high enough for the yeah. white people in my life. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I would be so annoyed if someone cash out to me. Something that pissed me off, dude. Um, when George Floyd happened, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it, there are very few moments where, because as a comic, you're so cynical. There are very few moments where I'm like really angry, right? Yeah. And George Floyd and Issa Hogstats were one of the two situations where I actually was like very angry. Like usually, I would just laugh and be like, "Look, this is America. Fuck this country." Yeah. Um, but. I remember the weeks afterwards, the amount of DMs about like, how are you, Mo? How's it going? How are yeah. you holding up? Yeah. You know, at work and inside of work. And I remember one person like offered to buy me food or something, like deliver me food. And I immediately was like, no. Why yeah. would I? That's not what I need right yeah. now. I don't need anything. I want to yeah. be left alone right now, app. actually. I don't even want <laughs> send me money yeah and i was just like i can afford pat time like yeah. i know and it's so um it's so weird because like when you do feel that accountability it seems like and i don't know in your perspective like is there like this need as, a, as like a white person to be like i want to try to fix it personally because it's not i don't know if it's like, yeah i mean not not well <laughs> I mean, I would, uh, there, there is a little bit of that. I think there is like kind of that, that saviorism and like, I do have to kind of check myself sometimes about why I'm doing it. But I think for the most part, it's like, I just want to, I just want this to be a better place, like for all of us. And I think a huge part of making this a better place for all of us. Making is America really, great again? Yeah. Make, no, making America great. Not again. <laughs> Take the again out of there just making it great because I like, you know, everyone should be able to live the, the same life I've been lucky enough to, to have, you know, and I, I know that a lot of what I have is because of, you know, what I was born into and I'm not, you know, I don't come from a rich family, but I know that a lot of that I don't deal with a lot of the things that um other people do (laughs) and that's the that's you know and especially if you bring race into it like i know that i would have been you know i always like growing up i always had a crappy car and i always wore baseball hats and i know if i was black growing up in the town i grew up in i would have been pulled over all the time but like i know that um you know, I was only pulled over a few times. <laughs> so I think that's, you know, a healthy way of looking at it. Yeah. But like, I don't know, like, I remember getting like really annoyed <laughs> with that. Like, I remember not your perspective, but the perspective of like, let's put a band aid or let's check in on the one of the only black people I know 
or yeah. like someone that I know, yeah, that I talk to on a regular basis, either at work or otherwise. Like I felt that's so disingenuous. Like yeah. versus your context, it's more introspective. While yeah. the others, it's like very external. Like I want to reach out to people versus mm-hmm. like that that moment called for introspection. Yeah, that called for a check in your life and what's going on. And how you feel and how you want to affect the world around you from within. Yeah. And that's different than, let me put a Band-Aid on the closest tangible, you know, vision of the problem that I have. Yeah. Which is, you know, an educated black man who can pay for his own pad thai. <laughs> yeah. I can buy several pad thais. Yeah. Like, give me all the pad I'll I got buy it. you lunch. Let me buy you lunch, boo. I got yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just being irritated. Obviously, like, I'll take a free lunch. I'm a big boy. But, like, <laughs> it's, it was irritating. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you run into that a lot? Kind of that, like, like the, the white guilt racism? Like, but even even before that, throughout, do you see more of that now? Because I feel like that's kind of more of a honestly. Like I can't think past who, January two thousand twenty. Yeah, right. I can't. There's like a block. I'm like, what was before that? Oh yeah, happiness, comedy club. Yep, yep. Regular um, life. Regular life. Like you watch a movie now and you see people like gathering. You're like, what the? F- what? Like, where are their masks? Why aren't they wearing masks? Do they know how unsafe that is? It must be Florida. This must have been filmed in Florida. Nah, man. Um, Beforehand, like, I don't know. I think they're... Let's examine the George Floyd episode. What did that show? That showed a very long block of footage of a cop totally and unnecessarily detaining somebody by putting their knee on top of their neck it looked violent it was violent it was painful you saw the death of a human being in front of you it was an execution live on tv yeah that's very powerful and showed a problem in the system in the policing system in the country to the point where officers around the country had moral problems with that would knee with protesters would you know, people were speaking out about it. It, it heavily affected our community. It, it, it's, um, I, you know, there has to be a different thought process now. And the way it comes out might not be entirely healthy and or maybe even productive in my opinion, mm-hmm. but it, it's something, right? You can't be totally mad at it. You can be a little annoyed at it, but it's something, yeah. right? It's some sort of change in one direction versus before, I think there were a lot more people who are more like center left, mm-hmm. who were thinking to themselves, this is a problem in like poor communities that are, you know, they were thinking racism was the South. They weren't thinking Minnesota. Yeah. Right? Location or matters. Maine. Yeah. Or Maine. Yeah. They don't think that. To see like Minnesota, like what is Minnesota before George Floyd, like to you, like it's like Viking country, middle, it's middle earth, you know, like you think white people before the death of a black man there and then region matters. So all of a sudden you have like this, this, you know, city that's not even a super major city in this country with that at live execution in front of you. How are you going to react? Versus if that happened anywhere else, if that happened in Los Angeles or something, I don't know if it have it would have that much of an impact. To be honest, yeah, because I mean, it's I feel like things that like I mean, look at Rodney King. 
Like that's another situation where it's it's caught on tape. But I think what what was so just disturbing about um, about George Floyd is that he he didn't the the camera wasn't hidden. Like with with Rodney King, like that was caught from a distance. They didn't know that was on camera. Like this guy knew that he was being filmed, and he still did it. And he had a history. Yeah. He'd done it. He'd killed someone before. Yeah. And that was that was the thing. It's like the perfect storm all together. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I don't care what was in George Floyd's system. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if he... I, I don't care what crime he did beforehand. Yeah. No one... For, like, no, I hate when people bring up, like, oh, but he wasn't a nice person. Yeah. But I think it really shook those people on like the center left who are more who are fiscally conservative but socially quote unquote liberal mm-hmm. um, to really kind of like reevaluate and be like, oh shit, that's close to home. Yeah, that's close to like our neck of the woods. And I think it woke a lot of people up, especially around the private sector, which is the fastest place I feel like to have social movements happen because you had businesses talk mm-hmm. about this. Companies yeah. lift my company, which. I thought would never have open political conversations, had dialogues about what happened, yeah. about George Floyd. People were openly talking about what happened, how to like, you know, what can we do to grow mm-hmm. from this event? And, um, you know, a lot of respect to the company I work for, but a lot of other companies started having this dialogue too and kind of opened up the space to talk about this more. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you look at a lot of commercials and and I don't know, how do you, do you feel... Like it's coming from a place of earnesty, or do you feel like it's just kind of capitalism? Does it matter? I, I mean, if the, if the if they're not, if it's just for show, it matters. You know, I think the real intent behind it does matter. Um, and I think I think it's it's what's being done is good. Like you watch, like commercials like watching tv now is different than watching tv in 2019 and i think that's great because i think there's more representation i think it's good for people to see that but um you know it's kind of one of those things like i mean i guess it's better late than never but it's like you know are you just doing this so people will forget all the other bad shit you're doing in the end of the day, the biggest problem in our country is economic inequality. Mm-hmm. And right next to that is is racism. Right together on the top yeah, is, is racism. And, and they're, they're linked. They're so linked. They're so linked. Um, but that's the biggest problem, the dispossession of wealth from the worker. That's, that's the biggest problem. So obviously companies which are there to make a profit that's their only purpose mm-hmm. aren't going to be genuine their purpose isn't <laughs> going anything. to be to change race the you know the the standard the status quo around race and, and wealth or race in this country. yeah the wealth it's yeah. not but businesses are naturally reactive they're the most reactive organizations in history mm-hmm. businesses are so reactive because they depend on consumers and if they think that their consumers want equality and that's what they believe they have to push mm-hmm. and that they want, you know, 
that activism. They notice that. They're looking at trends. It's not like they make this decision out of their heart. They're noticing people are pissed. Yeah. They're seeing the looting yeah. at targets. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they were seeing the masses of people. Have you ever seen? I, saw, I think the first time I saw you during the pandemic was at a protest. I think yeah. the first time I saw you yeah. was at the protest. Yeah. It woke yeah. everybody up yeah. to get out. It did. And you know, and I remember people running around with masks and like saw, like community. Um, what's it again? Um, sanitizers. Mm-hmm. And um, they they see an opportunity here for yeah. masses of consumers to have now become more socially aware about a specific subject. So they have to, to appease that group, get into it themselves. And that, to me, though, it's not the intention isn't great. It just shows that they're responding to a consumer base. And that, that to me, is good. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. That's, so they're gonna, are they going to fire racists within their company? Hopefully. Yeah. Now that now it's like you have an employee, no matter what their performance is, they say something racist because of the fact that they already said this company cares about yeah. black people or cares about poor people or whatever. They're going to now be more inclined to fire that person or remove that person. So there's going to be there's now an opening for accountability to be called for mm-hmm. because of those promises, though fake. And that opening matters. Yeah, I think. But. I don't know. I, like they're they're not serious. Nobody yeah. gives a fuck. Nobody <laughs> gives a fuck about black people. Yeah. Like it's just like black people don't care about black people. Sometimes it just feels like once you get to like a certain status and wealth, like even black folks forget about each other, and it's, mm-hmm. it's that's that's something that's unfortunate. Because yeah, because my I think my fear about it is that there there is the good the good change that's coming from it, like you said basically because of consumer demand, but that the, the wealth inequality is not being addressed. And like capitalism has to change drastically in order for that, that to change. And I think they're gonna, they don't want that. (laughs) They don't want that to happen. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't know, like, have you ever thought about how, like, we live in a country where my mom actively grew up telling me, you don't want to be a janitor. Mm-hmm. My uncle worked in a factory. He would show me his hands calloused, and he'd say, I don't want you to have calloused hands ever. I want you to like find a computer job. I want you to do this. I want you to go to college. I want you to work with your brain, because that's how you're going to make money in this world. And my entire life, I grew up with the notion that labor is, ew, gross. Yeah. I'm going to do something else. And... Now, like, as I'm older, I'm just like, why the fuck do we live in a culture where we think janitors don't matter? Yeah. Why do we live in a culture where one of the most important jobs in the country is being a meat packer or a farmer and they're paid nothing? Why is it that we live in a world where we're looking at the people who bring our food to the table? Mm -hmm. People who make, make, people are like McDonald's workers make $15 an hour. What the fuck is that? That to me fucking pisses me off because if you're like fucking some car dealer who like sits in a, stands at a lot all day looking to con people into buying a car that's really worth 14,000 but you take them up to like 22 yeah you're fucking full of shit you're selling an inflated useless product well some cars are useful but like it's just it how many how how hard is it to work at a burger king dude so that's what like people say that anyone can do those jobs and that's not true i couldn't do that i couldn't do that and like and the idea that people 
who have work are still struggling so much is what I think will eventually and is I think is starting to cause people to to see how um how how much of how exploitative capitalism is the statistics are fucked like we stare at the unemployment rate we stare at it we're mm -hmm. like unemployment rate sucks why is he but we don't look at the fact that there are there's a spectrum to the unemployment rate and there's something called i believe it's called u6 unemployment and those are people who still have jobs but are still way below the poverty line which is insane (laughs) and the poverty line the poverty line is so unbelievably low like what we've set as the poverty line is insane. Is it thirty thousand for a single person, fifty thousand for a no, couple? No, it's way it's way below that. What is it? It's like thirteen. I think. Could you look it up, Lee? I'm pretty sure it's like sixteen thousand or something. It's insane. Because I looked it up. Because I was looking into if I could if I could apply for uh, main care, and it's like I make way too much for it, and I don't make a lot. And it's like that's what we're looking at to determine who's under the poverty line. And it's like no one can live on. Like you're homeless if that's my rent what you're is making. Twelve thousand a year. I think. Yeah, that's like over twelve thousand. That's yeah, ridiculous. I think, and so it's, so it's like you got to look at what people are making. Like a lot of what people are looking at is people who are, I think, within, it, like unemployed. Like basically double the unemployment or double, I'm sorry, double the poverty rate. I think it's like if you're within 100% of the poverty rate. So if, which I fall into, I'm probably making about 25, 26, 28,000 a year. And so that's double the poverty rate, but that's still like not a lot. (laughs) You know, it's like, and I mean, from what you like, you said 30,000. Was the that was your guess for the? Poverty I thought that was rate. a national rate. I, at one point, I think it was. I don't know what it is, but I thought it was for the longest time. Um, but yeah, I knew about U six unemployment, which is mm-hmm. crazy. The fact that you can work in like McDonald's and never yeah. make money for yourself. But what's really annoying <laughs> to me, and like I grew up, my mom probably raised us all working four jobs, probably under forty thousand not 40 under 24 or like 20,000 a year. Mm-hmm. She raised me and my and my two brothers and my two sisters abroad paying for their school and food and everything. Yeah. And subsidizing my father. And she she did this all with maybe a third of what I make. Yeah. And it's like to me obviously it's like how can you look at people like that who who make like so little and look at them and be like, well, you can get out. Yeah. Just yeah. save. Just yeah. stop drinking coffee. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> shitty advice. And it's like saving is a privilege. Yeah. Saving your money is a privilege. Yeah. And there's a huge problem with the circulation. Like our economy 
doesn't have like a production problem. It has a circulation problem. Yeah. And we don't circulate that money enough. There's what's called, I think, a savings gulp is what they call it. There's like a chunk of money that's in the investment world in the savings accounts or assets of people who are wealthy. Mm-hmm. And it's just sitting there so yeah. that they can be protected or whatever. And it makes no sense because like a lot of that money comes from the government. It actually does come from like um, government programs to help stimulate the economy. And there's the idea of like the multiplier theory where every like little bit of money the government puts into the economy, it can multiply because people's own wealth gets mixed in with it. But the best way to use that is to give that money to poor people. Direct stimulus has helped the economy during this crisis more than anything else. Like, because let's say I'm given $1,400 and I have 600 in the bank. Yeah. Suddenly I have two grand. Yep. I can go out. I'm going to spend more than $1,400. Yeah. yeah. Now my 600 in the bank's going to be included in the mix too in that economy. That means there's going to be a local business out there that's going to get an extra. There are businesses that are going to get that extra maybe two, 300 now that I'm going to be willing to roll out of my bank account. We're getting money to crawl out of other places because we're stimulating people directly Mm -hmm. and it might not be six hundred dollars because that's a privilege like most americans can't handle a five hundred dollar emergency yeah most americans if they get into a car accident their lives are ruined they're done yeah they they can't afford it yeah if they don't have savings or um you know family members who are willing to step up they're you know if you can't work and you don't have savings and you don't have anyone to turn to, it's like, what are you going to do? And like you said, I mean, the fact that savings is a privilege is never talked about. Like no one, no one talks about that. And like you said, like the, the answer is always to save and sacrifice, but it's like, why is that always being asked of the people with the least? It's like whenever someone brings up, oh, we're going to tax you more then it's like, you can't tax me more. I'm already paying so much in taxes, but it's like you have so much. And then there, you know, but then if it's talking about a minimum wage increase, like, oh, they just have to save more or they just have to budget. And it, I mean, there's a point where you can't budget because there's nothing, there's no discretionary spending. It's like everything you're spending is what you need. Like, I got a root canal with the stimulus money. Like, that's what I spent it on, and I wouldn't have gotten that without that. And um, I don't know. I feel like America um, has this, like, sick fetishism with with sacrifice and with struggling. And it's like you always look at the stories that you hear about people who had to sacrifice so much, who had to work, you know, like— like raising like three or four kids work three jobs. And it's like, that's looked upon in such like a a gross way. I feel like, cause it's like, they, they shouldn't have to do that. Like that shouldn't be what you have. You shouldn't have to work 70 hours a week to move yourself up in this world. That's, and I mean, that's not, that's that's proof that it's not equal. They're literally selling their lives. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, the degrade, like how much just physical labor or any type of work, mm-hmm. but even office work degrades your body. 
Like yeah. The more you're using it, you are literally selling not your time. A lot of people always focus. It's like, oh, I'm eight hours of my time I've given away. But if you're like, you know, 30 years old or something and you're working a manual labor job, you, you got to take some pretty heavy stuff out of your car. Yeah. You're giving out a lot of your your energy yeah. and as someone I, I you know i deal with injuries every day one of the biggest issues with injuries it's like especially back and you know soft tissue strains is repetitive act motions Re, mm -hmm. you know just re, just keep doing the same thing over and over again you're hurting your body over time regardless of how safe you do it and you're giving away your force and it, that's fine for a certain period of time you're still a young you know strapping young man Youngish. you're gonna be fine you're Youngish. young you're young well, you, yeah. you said you feel old, and I'm about 10 years older than you, so. Well, you know, I'm Somali, and I'm unmarried, and I'm 26. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm middle-aged. you got to go by your people's life expectancy. <laughs> um, you have, like, um, but, like, it's, it's serious. Like, imagine you're 50 or 60. Imagine, have you ever met how old some, like, yeah, shop workers, guys yeah. are? Like, have you no, been, like, I, I, in the job, like, I see other drivers who are in their 50s and just watching them walk is just so frightening and the, those they'll be like why like you gotta stop you gotta find another job like don't do this to to yourself like i talked to one guy who i think was on like his second like hip replacement and it's like dude you need to find a new job both of us need to find a new job or at least be compensated for what we're doing I mean, I don't have insurance. I don't have health insurance. And it's like the injuries that I've had, I've started feeling since I started this job. And like, luckily, I've recently started doing yoga and that's helped. But it's like, I need to see a doctor, but I, I can't. I, I was at, I had to get a DOT physical today. And um, I was at uh the doctor came in. I went to a walk-in clinic, and um, I, like you have to tell him about any injuries you've had. So I told him about my foot and my hip, both of which I broke about eight years ago. Um, and I was like, "What do I need to do?" And he was like, "You need to see, like, you could see a sports specialist or um, orthopedic person, but he's like, you can't. You need insurance." And he literally said to me, he was like, he was like, that's what, that's what you get. Or in this country, we have a third world healthcare program. And I was like, that was from a doctor, like a doctor at a walk-in clinic said that. And it's like, everyone's aware of the problem, but no one is willing to do anything about it. They're willing to talk about doing something about it, but nothing's been done. I mean, even the, even Obamacare isn't even close to what has to be done. Like I've looked into that and it's, it's not worth it because I'd be paying $150 a month for a $2,000 deductible and like nothing's good. So it's just catastrophic. But the thing about the deductible, there's also a health care education issue in this country. The thing about deductible is you don't, you don't get insurance to deal with the deductible. Yeah. You get insurance to get the rates that insurance companies get from hospitals and the people in their network. Yeah. So, you know, I have a deductible. I'm very blessed to have health insurance. My deductible is like 500, 600 bucks. I never use it. 
Because, yeah. you know, counter to, you know, aside from obesity, I'm healthy, surprisingly enough. And it's like, I, if I do need something done, health insurance gives me free minor benefits. Like, I get a free checkup every year. Yeah. I get a free, for my dental plan, I get a free cleaning every year. Mm -hmm. And you get those small benefits that you don't really know about, and you get little discounts mm -hmm. um, that you get um for um for having insurance um, i don't know specifically about obamacare but you if you get those coverages you can get like discounts on you'll you'd get discounts for the yeah. treatments yeah. um for example like my uh, deductible i did some physical therapy actually because i had some lower back pain from working at home mm -hmm. and um i did some physical therapy and my insurance would knock down how much i would pay even after my deductible yeah. So at least it was less than like the two fifty they were charging per session or whatever. Yeah. But what's really fucked about health insurance in this country is pricing. Yeah. Do you know that like the bill that you get from a hospital isn't the real price ever? Yeah. Like the next if you're ever in a position where you have to go to a hospital again or go to any treatment facility, ask for an itemized bill mm -hmm. at the end. Say, I don't want this bill, I want an itemized bill guaranteed you're getting 30 to 40 percent less of a charge just by asking for the itemized bill that they have for their nice. treatments That's... and then what's crazy is they billing because they do so much treatment especially at the er they fuck up on bills a lot yeah they fuck up they'll overcharge you by straight negligence ignorance they'll yeah. just do it and it's like totally accepted like, oh, but the hospital, they're so responsible and they'll take care of me and they're going to make sure I'm okay after this. Their billing is going to be on point. But there's so many errors. Yeah. So many errors. And there's such a, it's such a complex system of like there's so many, there's so many different insurance companies and the coding and all the different. There's one uniform coding system. Oh. There's one uniform coding system across the entire country. Uh-huh. And it's just health insurance and, um, you know, other insurance companies, they know how to negotiate with providers. Mm -hmm. And providers, you know, I'm never going to shit on providers. Like, obviously, like being a doctor, you don't know what's going on with your billing. Yeah. You know, and you might even have a weird view on insurance. You might be like, these guys are freaking ripping me off. But you might not be looking at how inconsistent other facilities are charging. Like some places are fine. Some places in Maine in particular are fine with their billing. Like you run their bills through an auditing system or whatever, and you're like, looks good. Looks good to me. Looks fine. Fair, accountable billing. You go to other states, freaking like $4,000 overcharges. Yeah. You know, and, and it's ridiculous. And it's against like poor people and it inflates the rate of insurance costs like and it's a huge problem. And, yeah. you know, the thing about health insurance in particular that I don't understand is most states do a pretty good job of taking care of children with health insurance in most states. Mm -hmm. Main care for a child. It's pretty easy to get. Yeah. Kids are most of the time covered almost every state. But also, I think kids are the least likely to need health insurance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. How many kids need to see the doctor? Yeah. Versus older They're people. They're themselves. It's Their bodies are mint. And old people have access. To, yeah, but to, it's like the people in the middle, in the middle need it. when you need it the most to prevent later issues. But 
we could uh, talk about this subject for so many hours. Yeah. And, uh, but if you, if you just kind of from your life experience, if you had to give people, if there was kind of one thing that you would want listeners to hear that they could change to uh, hopefully create a better tomorrow, what would that be? Better tomorrow? Yeah, just one change that people could make right now or within the next month. I think one change that anybody could make in the world is um, to not buy from Amazon. Yes. I'm kidding. Well, I agree <laughs> with that. Um, I buy from Amazon. But, I mean, just be more cautious about where your money is going because your money is your vote. It's your daily vote. And I think a lot of people say this every day. You know, like, I have no choice. I have no da, da, da. I'm not telling you to go shop at Rosemont because that's a fucking ripoff too, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not telling you to stop shopping at Walmart. I'm just saying, like, if you can, every once in a while, support a business that you're proud of to support. A black-owned business that you might support or just a, a company that you feel like you just want to support them. Make it local if you can. Yeah. Personally, um, you know, I don't think it's charity to me, but like there is a coffee shop down the road for me. We've, we've been there before. Yum Pond Tea or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites. During the beginning of COVID, I remember going to his spot every day and I'd be like, man, there's nobody here. Yeah. And I made it a point every day during the beginning of the COVID pandemic because he was still open i'd mask up and i'd go to his shop every day and buy something buy a little extra and just support the businesses and the people that you want around yeah and you know for me i lean towards people of color because i'm worried about that group the most in this in this time but you know whatever organization there are a lot there are a lot of businesses out there that are struggling. Hell, my Uber driver, my Uber driver yeah. <laughs> uh, who brought me here today yeah. was a uh, medical transportation, co- owns a medical transportation company. He went from a fleet of seven cars to three because he can't afford the insurance Yeah, during the pandemic. And that's been affecting that industry heavily. Uh-huh. So it's like, if you can go out there, obviously not everyone needs medical transportation services <laughs> yeah. um, to get to. Most of the time they're taking people to uh, go to like those um, benzo or like, what is it? Uh, methadone ki- clinics and stuff and dialysis. But yeah. um, if you can go out there and support a local company that you like, um, you know, preferably POC owned in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, do it. Just I do agree. it. I love that. If you can do it. Um, I agree with that. Well, thank you, Mo. Yeah.